Hello again. I know I was here last week, but you get you get me again. Twice in a row. I hope so. <laughs> if not, well, pray. Um, but I'm so glad you're here. Um, my name's Ilsian, and I um, get to lead this church along with my husband, Carlos, who is on a plane back, uh, coming from Guatemala, so I'm excited to have him and the team, but mostly him, back. Um, I live with him. He helps with Charlie, so, you know. Um, but grateful to have him. Thank you for praying. Um, it's, I can't wait. They're going to give us a, a report and some news about what happened and what they got to do, but I'm excited to hear all that about, about all that when they come back. Um, but today, let's um, let's... Let's talk about what the Lord put in my heart as um, I've been processing and thinking just this season and the seasons to come. But, you know, um, I was 2,920 miles away from home. And that was in a beautiful city of Antigua. That's where the team was yesterday. Antigua, Guatemala. And Jesus and I were not in speaking terms. I don't know if you've ever been there. See, my conversations with him at that time consisted of accusations and anger towards a God that I felt had let me down. Through gritted teeth and tears, I said, I trusted you. That's what I felt. Because I prayed and I prayed for what? To end up with a broken heart? See, and it really made no sense that I was asking him or talking to him because I had intentionally been keeping my distance from him. I don't know if you've ever been there. But I know I'm not the only one that has ever felt that way about prayer, about God, and perhaps you've prayed and prayed and the answer has been delayed. Or maybe it didn't come in the way that you expected it. To come. See, Jesus prayed, Abba, Father, everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering from me. Yet he went on to suffer betrayal, abandonment from his friends. He was scorched, whipped, went through mockery, insults, and the crucifixion. And then we see Paul, a man who was influential, a leader who wrote the letters in the New Testament. Three times he says, I pleaded with the Lord to take this thorn in my flesh away from me. And three times the answer was, my grace is sufficient for you. My power works best in weakness. A national prayer study recently, actually in 2023, was conducted, and they found that 85% of Americans practice or participate in some kind of spiritual practice. Mostly common is prayer. I thought that was really encouraging. I was like, that is really good. We are praying. And it, they also found that having children makes you more likely to pray. <laughs> than not having children. How many parents in the room are like, amen? Especially when they start driving, right? We are praying like never before. See, the reality is that almost everyone prays. 
It's a universal human reaction. The first thing when um, the moment tragedy hits, what do, we, what do we say? What do we turn to? What do we read on Facebook and everything else? We say thoughts and prayers, right? And we are praying. And see, so, so almost everyone prays. And a lot of us, if we're honest, are frustrated with prayer. And see, some of the frustrations happen when we think, is God really listening? See, I get frustrated with prayer when I feel disconnected. I don't know if it's happened to you, but you, you show up to prayer and you're like, okay, I don't feel anything or I don't even know what I'm supposed to be praying about. So you're there and you show up, but there's this disconnect that happens. And sometimes the frustration comes when we feel like God isn't answering our prayers. And sometimes when our experience doesn't line up with what we prayed for, it can lead to assume that God doesn't care. Or that praying doesn't make a difference. So what's the purpose of prayer? See, prayer is communication. And I know you know this. It's a conversation between you and God. It's a way to connect and engage with God. And early on my faith journey, someone told me that I had to learn to push in prayer. And when I asked them what they meant by that, they said, you got to push. And they meant pray until something happens. It's an acronym. Very corny. But anyway. And I get the sentiment of, of this um, advice and this comment. And I think that it's good to remember that prayer needs to be fervent and persistent. Prayer is needed and it's good, and I agree with that. But in the scripture that we're going to look up today, the, the passage in the Bible that I want to talk about, I think that what I want you to remember today is that something that I learned from a pastor and podcaster, Kerry Newhoff, and he says this, prayer is not a button to be pushed, it's a relationship to be pursued. And sometimes I think that we approach prayer like that button from Staples that we just continually press when we need help and something happens and it's just a button and a button and it becomes just something we do. But really we forget that the essential, the part of it, the reality, the foundation of it is relationship. Prayer is about relationship. But in Matthew 7, 7 through 11, Jesus says this. He says, keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, and everyone who seeks finds, and everyone who knocks, the door will be open. And he goes on to say further, you parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone? Instead, or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask him? 
See, when I read what Jesus says, it does remind me of the acronym, to push. But when I dig deeper into what Jesus is saying, my observation is that there is something more there that he is saying than just getting something or pushing for something. See, Jesus brings up the context of relationship. And see, as a a parent and a child relationship, a relationship, usually that kind of relationship requires dependency. The child is dependent on the parent 100% of the time, especially when they're little. They are not going to change their own diaper. Believe me, I've tried. It doesn't work. Should I tell you what Charlie did this week? Okay, time out. She's learned to un-Velcro her diaper. So while mom is trying to cook dinner for Charlie and mom, I'm there in the kitchen, and I'm like, you know what? We're going to turn on Miss Rachel, and Miss Rachel is going to watch Charlie while I am cooking right now. But I didn't realize that she had taken off her diaper. And next thing I go to check, next thing I look over, and she's holding this brown thing in her (laughs) hand. Sorry. For those of you that aren't parents, I'm so sorry. TMI, TMI. She had, she had, on the couch. So that was fun to clean up. And I was like, why did Carlos go on this trip? But anyway, parenting journey is fun. Wait till you get there, single people. It's gonna be amazing if that's what you wanna do. That's great. But my point is that children are dependent on parents. They are dependent on the parent. It's a relationship that carries through that way. And see, as as, as smart and as strong as my two-year-old Charlie is, she needs mom and dad to help her meet her needs. She can't feed herself or manage to go to the restroom, like I said earlier. Um, and, And this week... You know, solo parenting, I I just made me realize if you are a single mom or a single dad, God bless you. I am praying for you because I don't don't know how to do it past a week. Um, So good job. Keep doing an amazing job. See, but what I see in in this passage is that prayer begins with the need, but it ends with relationship. See, the asking, the seeking, the knocking, they all denote a need. And in Luke 11, after the disciples, they, they, they are walking with Jesus. They're doing life with Jesus. And they see Jesus. They must have seen Jesus pray. So after he's done praying, they ask him, Jesus, teach us how to pray. Because they want to know. There's something about the way that Jesus is praying that they're like, we want in on that. And so Jesus tells them, models the prayer for them. And he prays by teach, he, he teaches them to pray by praying. And it's what we know as the Lord's Prayer or our Father in Espanol, el Padre Nuestro. And he's praying and he teaches them. And see, the Lord's Prayer, the prayer that Jesus um, says, echoes a Jewish prayer called the Kaddish, which starts like this. It says, magnified and sanctified, may his great name be. And what Jesus did is Jesus took this Jewish prayer and made it personal and intimate. 
And as a daughter or son, it would be like calling their, their father and their mother an affectionate daddy. That is what Jesus was doing with that prayer. He was making it very intimate, so intimate that it made the Jewish people that were listening to him uncomfortable. What is he saying? Intimacy. There is this intimacy that comes with prayer, this relationship that I want with you. See, and scripture continues to say in that chapter 11 that, that teaching them more about prayer, Jesus shares a story. And it's this story about a guy that has a friend show up at midnight and he realizes, I don't have anything to feed my friend. And so because back in the day, especially in Jesus' day, it was so important. Hospitality was huge in this culture. And so this person knew, I have, I have to do whatever I need to do to have food for my guests. So he goes and knocks at midnight at his friend's house, wanting for him to open the door. And he knocks, knocks, knocks. And finally, his friend, he says, man, don't bother me. Leave me alone. I am asleep. I'm good. I, I can't help you. But he continues to knock and he's persistent. And see, it's, it's, the need that brought him to his friend's house at midnight. And most always, prayer begins with the need, and that is good. Go to God with all your needs. That's what we're supposed to do. Even at midnight, your midnight hour is not an inconvenience to God. See, we know that God doesn't slumber or sleep. So I want you to know that you going to God in prayer about everything, it is not bothering him. He's not going to respond like this guy, stop bothering me. He wants to answer. He wants to hear you. But sadly, there's some of us that approach prayer that way. Oh, I don't want to bother God with this. Or it's just a little thing. He cares about the little things. And he cares about the big things. Isn't it crazy that he knows the number of hairs on our head? Like, that's wild to me. I lose a lot of hair every day. But he still knows. And some of you have lost a lot more hair, but he still knows. Like God knows. He knows. He is so into the details. It's the little things and the big things that you can approach him with because that is what a relationship is. What if in your relationship with your spouse, you only approach them with the hard, heavy stuff and you never shared the good stuff? Or you never shared the little things? That God wants us to have that kind of relationship that we can approach him with anything. You are not a bother to him. He wants to hear you. He wants to know what you need. And it gives him so much joy. See, for me now as a parent, there is so much joy when Charlie communicates something for the first time. When she's learning to, to use her signs and use her words, I get so excited. When she's learning to communicate this one, this is a while back, you know, I was, I was dressing her and I was getting her up and I, I asked her, okay, we got to go find shoes. And she signed shoes and pointed to some B shoes that were in her closet. And I was like, oh, she's telling me she wants to wear those shoes. Like to me, that was amazing because like she doesn't, you know, it's the first time that I understood this communication. And so I feel like Father God is the same way with us. He's like, oh, you're communicating. You're letting me know. You're speaking. You're showing me where. Okay, awesome. And I feel like that is his heart towards us. It's his father's heart 
that delights in hearing his children share with him. And see, we, we, I want you to, to, to understand that because Jesus continues to say in verse 9, you parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. A good parent wouldn't. See, a fish and bread were common foods, and giving a snake or a stone would be a cruel practical joke to play on your children a good parent would not want to harm their children but then there are tiktok parents <laughs> have you heard of the egg crack challenge trending on tiktok some of you have you guys are nodding your head some of you haven't uh, we're gonna we're gonna look at a few videos i am so sorry if this is hurtful to watch but let's watch it Yeah. It's funny. Got a lot of laughs. You guys are laughing hard. A lot of those videos have a lot of views. But you know, really, when you think about it, like if somebody were to do that to me, and like I know that there are people that love pranking people, and I enjoy a good prank, but if you were to just randomly hit me in the head with an object, I would be upset. I would feel like you crossed a boundary. You disrespected me. And I feel like, yes, it's unsafe. And like, so what, there was a lot of videos to choose from. I didn't want to view them all. But there are some where the kids are genuinely shocked and confused. And they start crying. There's one where the little girl gets it and she just starts crying and like, leaves and I'm like oh my gosh talk about what not to do as a parent and see a lot of um, pediatricians and mental health professionals are actually saying parents stop this is a terrible trend and this is what it's doing it is breaking trust with your child it is humiliating them because you are laughing after hurting them and now you're sharing with the whole world right um, but that is the world of social media, right? And see, we all know that a healthy, loving child relationship, parent and child relationship is based on trust. And trust is needed as a foundation for a relationship. And when I found myself alone in that room, miles and miles away from home, I felt like God had betrayed my trust. I had prayed and prayed over this relationship, and at the end, it ended up not working out, and I ended up with a lot of heartache, and I had interpreted that as God letting me down because I only went into this relationship after I prayed, 
And I felt like you gave me peace. And so I walked in, and now here I am, brokenhearted and angry at you. Because I felt betrayed. You broke my trust. And see, it's hard for me to read everyone who asks receives and everyone who seeks finds and everyone who knocks the door will be open because it feels like sometimes I'm not included in that everyone. There's a prayer that's been in my heart for a long time now and I've been praying. I, don't, I haven't seen it come to be and, and maybe it won't be answered in the way that I expect it to be answered. But see, as you grow and mature in a relationship, even when you feel like someone's let you down, what you learn to do is love commits. And you talk about it. You don't ignore, you don't deny, you don't pretend like it never happened. And so I finally, God quartered me in in that room and he said, are you finally going to talk to me? And as much as I didn't want to, one thing that I know is that healing reengages relationships. And I wanted healing. And I wanted to trust God again. And I wanted to be able to say, okay, Lord, I, I want to be like a child that puts their hand in daddy's hand and says, I'll, I'll trust you again. I'll walk with you still, even when I don't get what I want. And see, in those moments of broken dreams or unanswered prayers, I have a hard time saying this word in English of disillusionment. Did I say it right? Okay. How do we pray? See, author and theologian C.S. Lewis writes, we begin prayer where we are. If we are sad, we began sad. And if we are angry, we began angry. There is no use trying to pretend we are not these things and to begin by adoration if we are not in that place. So as you pursue relationship, remember that prayer begins where we are. Maybe you're in a great space with Jesus. That's great. Keep it going. But maybe you're in a space where you feel like, I don't know if God's even listening. Begin with your doubts. See, pastor and author Tyler Stanton said, pray as you can and not as you can't. If you can't start with adoration, then don't start there. If what you have is anger, then start with anger. And that's one of the reasons I think God included the Psalms and why it's so big. That book is so full of emotion and raw prayers of people that walked with God and believed God for amazing things, but also that were very real and disappointed when they felt like God was not answering their prayer. Right? There's a psalmist that says, how long must I pray, God? Are you even listening? And I was like, yes, I feel that way sometimes. And so I love that it's there because it lets us know that we can begin and continue conversation with God 
where we are. We don't have to have all the right words. And it doesn't just happen at church. It can happen in your room. It can happen in your car. It can happen wherever you are. And what I learned in this season of heartache is that when it comes to a relationship with the Heavenly Father, and I said this already, healing requires re-engaging. So are you willing to re-engage even when you felt like your trust has been broken? See, Jesus brings prayer back to relationship. He makes prayer intimate and personal. A heavenly father who gives good gifts to his children. Jesus isn't using the story of the constant knocking to say, pester me until I give in into whatever you want. He is saying, I am better than that guy. I am better than that guy that tries to ignore you. I am better than that. In one of our marriage counseling sessions that Carlos and I were in, our therapist shared that some research findings about marriage, and she said that research found that for a marriage couple to be healthy and connected, it takes an average of 20 minutes a day of connection and conversation. However, what's been discovered is that the average marriage or couple connects for 45 seconds a day. And it's usually just to check in on who's picking up the kids. That's wild. But how many times is that our reality when it comes to our relationship with God? See, we get distracted. We get so distracted. But if 45 seconds is what you can give in prayer, then give. Start with 45 seconds. And see, what I love about relationship and relationship with Jesus is that it's his grace that enables us. It's his Holy Spirit in us that empowers us. So if all we can give is 45 seconds, God can do a lot with a little. And so will you meet him there? The band can join me up here. That would be amazing. If 45 seconds is what you can give, then start there. And see, the thing about relationship is that the more that you get to know someone, the more you're able to have a conversation, the more you're able to connect, the more you're wanting to connect. And so start where you are. And God is able to meet you and make his grace be sufficient for you because his power works best in weakness. So my friend, my invite to you this week is that you pray as you can. That if you can't speak your prayers, you would write them down. Maybe for you it's walking your prayers out. And you can do that. Maybe it's complaint what you have right now, and maybe that's where your prayers begin. Maybe they begin with complaint, and it's okay if they do. Maybe because of all the hurt and pain that you've gone through, all you can do is yell your prayers. That's okay. God is not offended by your emotion. He can take it. Or maybe for you it's crying your prayers 
And what I love about God is that he understands the language of tears. And what the Bible says is that he collects our tears. Every single one of them. And that he also redeems them. So I want to encourage you. I don't know where you are in your relationship with God, in your communication with him, but I want to remind you that he loves you. He desires intimacy with you to get to know you to the deepest core of your being. And I want to invite you to do the same with him. See, he began his pursuit for us thousands in years ago. It says, while we were still sinners, he gave us his son, Jesus. It's my invitation to you. Is would you pursue him in return as much as he's pursuing you in prayer? Would you close your eyes right where you are? Lord, help us to understand that prayer is not a button to be pushed. It's a relationship to be pursued. And Lord, you know in the space and place where people are today. And what I love about you is that you meet them there. So, Lord, I pray that in prayer we would be able to engage you, to have a conversation with you, God. And that it wouldn't just be us telling you all the things, but that we would pause and listen to your voice. That we would pause and say, Lord, what do you want to say to me? For God, I need to hear you. So I'm going to give you 30 seconds. Would you just make space right now and say, Lord, I want to hear you. Father, we thank you that we can come to you honestly. That we can come to you all that's going on and all that we feel. And you are a good father. And you want to give us good gifts. You care to listen. But you also care to respond. But Lord, when the response doesn't make sense to us, would you help us to continue to put our hand in your hand and walk with you? Lord, we ask that you would continue to bring healing to the places in our life where there's pain and hurt 
and unanswered prayers. Lord, help us to engage you again and walk intimately and closely with you. Lord, we love you. Lord, we need you. We don't want to do life without you. In Jesus' name.